Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Exchanges Discourse Podcast. I'm Dr. Gareth J. Johnson, Managing Editor-in-Chief of Exchanges, the Interdisciplinary Research Journal, published by the Institute of Advanced Study at the University of Warwick. Thanks for joining me. Today, as it's fairly fresh in my own and many of our readers' minds, I'm going to take a look at our most recently published issue of the journal itself. That, of course, would be Volume 8.1, which came out at the end of October 2020. For those keeping score, and because I know there's nothing in academic loss more than a handy metric, this is the 16th issue of the journal we've published, and the 7th under my own chief editorship. As our director, Professor Peter Scott, described it a 100% awesome achievement. I'll make sure I make note of that in my next appraisal. Or perhaps he was talking about the journal contents. I'll uh, have to check back with him. The issue opens with a traditional editorial from yours truly. Now, to avoid this turning into a self-aggrandizing monologue, I'm not going to talk too much about its contents. The piece itself is entitled Alfresco Dining and Reinvigorated Acquaintance, and mostly covers some thoughts about the ongoing lockdown experience as it relates to running a scholarly journal. Certainly, if you like that sort of thing, do give it a read and uh, let me know your thoughts. Perhaps more importantly for our listeners and readers alike, the editorial also launches our newest call for papers. And this time, the theme is one which originated in a heated discussion on my daily walk between myself and my delightful wife. I'm a humanities scholar, my wife is firmly in the STEM disciplines. So we often approach and consider the same issue from diametrically different stances. Highly useful when you're trying to create a call for an interdisciplinary journal. It's why I'll be really interested to see what our AI, panic or panacea, call for papers produces from lots of different disciplines. Be it a guided introduction or an overview of algorithmic intelligence and its applications, through to considerations of the ethical qualms as their use becomes more quotidian. All is welcome within our pages, and I'm very much looking forward to reading the articles once they're submitted. Now, you can, of course, find full details of this call on the Exchange's website, giving details about the formats and the deadlines to be aware of, but I'll also add a link in the description for this episode as well. Of course, the main focus of the latest issue, as always, are the articles we've got within it. And the first article comes from Hongming Fan and considers the part that roleplay can contribute within language teaching to enhance Chinese university students' grasp of English. In this case study article, which is entitled The Implementation and Challenges of Using Roleplay to Improve Chinese University Students' English Communicative Competence, Fan seeks to evaluate if deploying roleplaying-based teaching approaches offers authentic educational benefits or not. Their study concludes that while advantages certainly exist, there are clearly also factors which can mitigate or enhance the educational impact of this approach. As such, there are lessons in the article to be appreciated by any language teachers who are seeking to utilise role-playing approaches within their own instructional wheelhouse. The next piece on page 19 is entitled Fitting In and Fighting Out by Ermi Chakma and continues the theme through considering the challenges faced by non-native English-speaking teachers working in English as a second language teaching environment, or ESL if you prefer. Chakma's study found that ESL teachers' personal educational journeys, their linguistic traditions and indeed their cultural backgrounds contributed to significant impacts on their pedagogical approaches, which often diverge from more traditional delivery paradigms. They found ESL teachers who highlighted and embraced their own linguistic outsider status within their teaching practice were seen to inspire other non-native students' language learning within a classroom setting. Consequently, embracing and exposing rather than 
homogenizing and perhaps concealing their ESL teachers' personal diversity and experience is suggested in this paper as being authentically beneficial in language teaching approaches. We diverge with the next piece from Mark Redman, which is inspired by our call for papers last year on themes of falsehoods, misinterpretations and factual divergence. Uh, Redman's article is entitled The Comforting Nonsense of Creativity, which focuses specifically on unpacking and critiquing Jonah Lehrer's 2012 book, How Creativity Works, through deploying a discourse analysis of the literature utilised by Lehrer in establishing their own thesis. Redmond's assessment serves to expose the axioms which underlie Lehrer's postulations and consequently challenging the veracity of its assertions on how creativity functions. Nevertheless, Redmond generously concludes there may yet be some crumbs of emotional comfort and insight contained within Lehrer's work, even if this requires a willing suspension of disbelief on the part of the reader. You can find that article on page 40 of the journal. From books on creativity, we next turn in the journal to graphical literature in a piece by an author associated with Warwick's Institute of Advanced Study. In Figures of Thought in Marjane Satrepi's Pseudopolis and Riyad Satouf's The Arab of the Future, Doro Visa adopts Deleuze and Guattari's ideas on art's inventive function. Visa utilises this lens to scrutinise the two aforementioned titular graphic narratives, with particular attention on the concepts of truthfulness. This article suggests both of these graphical literature authors have purposefully undermined the anticipated autobiographical pact with the readers as part of their narrative construction. Visa also considers efforts in both works to represent a collective rather than solely singular narrative experience. Seemingly, each author's goal is to progress to a more complex engagement with their readership, which challenges their preconceptions, thinking, and perceptions. And you can find that very interesting article on page 57. Finally, in this issue, we return to the creative fields to conclude with a piece by Yaron Meron entitled Reperforming Design. This article engages with a topic arguably underrepresented in the academy, principally due to the difficulties in researching its practitioners, graphic designers. Meron examines the use of dramaturgy as an empirical tool to explore professional graphic designers' perceptions of their stakeholders, their clients, as you were. Fascinatingly, the scripts from these interview engagements were then employed as performance workshops presented by actors who served in turn to permit obfuscated or unexpected elements of their designers' narratives and experiences to be exposed in new ways. Meron hopes that the outcomes from this work can be used to inform similar explorations of other creative practice domains and communities. It really is a fascinating piece and perhaps for me, my favorite article in this issue. Well, that's all that we've got time for this time's episode of The Exchanges Discourse. I hope you'll be joining me next time where I'm going to be joined by one of uh, Warwick's early career fellows, Julia Gowley, for a discussion about her own publishing experiences to date. For now, I'm Dr. Gareth J. Johnson, your host for this Exchanges Discourse podcast. I hope you'll be joining us for the next episode. But until then, don't forget to like, share and subscribe this podcast. Thanks for listening.